How's everybody doing this morning? Good. It's so good to be here with you. My name is Mason. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I have the pleasure of uh, speaking today. I'm going to start off telling you a little bit about myself, like I usually do. Uh, one of my favorite things um, about moving to Fergus Falls a couple of years ago was getting back into church league softball. Where are my softball people at? I played with many of you this summer. Jordan, love you, dude. So we had so much fun. Richard, did you play? I forgot. Played bass. <laughs> That's amazing. We have so much fun playing uh, softball in the summers, and uh, getting back into it a couple summers ago was so fun for me. I grew up playing church softball in high school and in college, and then I took a few years off. But a couple of summers ago, when I started playing again here at Life Church, um, I was playing softball like a much younger me. Now it's weird for me to say that because I know, like. I still think that I'm young, but, I, but something happened to me when I was 20. There was like the shift that happened. I couldn't do whatever I wanted to my body without like consequences. Does anyone understand? Anyone with me? Some hair started falling out. I'm like, what in the world? I thought I had like 15 more years. But 20, there was this shift. So I started playing softball again, and I'm playing it like a much younger me. Because when I played softball, I, w- I had one speed. It was go. I was going as fast as I could wherever I went. So I played in the outfield. I sprint to the ball. I hit, I'm on base. I'm sprinting full go as, as fast as I can. Well, about halfway through my first season here, I'm running from home to first, and I pop my hamstring like bad. Like next day, I could not walk. It was so uh, painful and annoying. Shout out to Zach, who did some physical therapy. He taught me what scraping is. I got back way faster than I thought I would. But I learned a valuable lesson. Can't go 100 miles an hour all the time. So when you do, for sure you're going to get hurt. Like, it's just going to happen. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. I learned that I needed to jog when I could jog, walk when I could walk, and save the sprinting for when I needed to. And it worked out. I caught as many balls and got on base as much as I did when I was sprinting everywhere. It was a good lesson to learn. So today... Um, before I get into my message, I want to mention, um, there's a book that I read this last year um, that highly influenced this message and has absolutely impacted and has been influencing my life, the way that I see Jesus, the way that I see what it means to walk with Jesus. And that book's called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Before I get into the message, I just want to say very few of the thoughts I share today are original or are from me. Uh, many of them are from this book and from scripture Um, and I really needed to kind of cover myself because I'm gonna be repeating a lot of the things that he said, and I don't wanna just quote him every single time. So prefacing with that, and also would highly encourage uh, you to read this book. Um, It's been a game changer for me. But today we're talking about rhythms of rest and practicing Sabbath. And I wanna start off by asking um, all of you a few questions, just to look at yourself, look at your life, um, and, and just contemplate. Do you feel a sense of emptiness or weariness? Do you feel like most days, weeks, and months, you're pushing yourself to your limits, your schedule to your limits? Do you feel burdened maybe because you don't have the mental, emotional, and physical energy to love those closest to you well, whether family, friends, kids, or your spouse? Do you feel burned out, rarely fulfilled, Do you feel like you're chasing something that you just can't seem to grasp? I think this happens to many of us because in our lives, we live our life like I used to play softball, 100 miles an hour all the time. And if you're not going that fast in your life, you feel guilty because you're not 
living that fast. Why do we live this way? Why? I think one, because it's, it's our culture. It's the American way. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about many of like the highest rated uh, TV shows and movies of the last uh, 20, 30 years, and so many of those shows made in America surround either like hospitals or businesses or lawyers. And what you see in these shows over and over again are people who work nights, who work weekends, who work overtime, and their work and their achievements are romanticized. It's something to look up to and to idolize, and it's something that, oh, I should be that way. It's almost built into our culture to work hard, and there's good things about working hard, absolutely, but I think we're getting to this place culturally where we're accepting something that maybe isn't healthy for us. We also, I think, have a human nature that has an infinite desire to be satisfied, there's an awareness in us that there's more to life, a restlessness that we feel. And we chase that feeling down multiple paths to try to find satisfaction, to try to find ultimate fulfillment, to try to find happiness. And very easily, our desires begin to rule us. The things that we're chasing after to be fulfilled and find satisfaction, they rule our lives. One of the paths that we go down quite naturally is money. It's no coincidence that when Jesus teaches on money, he puts it right up there with God, and he says, you can't serve or worship both God and money. And I would absolutely say that money is one of the gods of our culture. It's the thing that enables us to chase our desires, accumulation of toys. And we know toys aren't just for kids. We want a boat. We want that iPad. We want that next, if you're Gen X or Millennial or Gen Z, you want that next video game console that's just going to bring you joy in life. We, we look for, to accumulate or get a new house or that car we've always wanted. We want to explore and travel and adventure, have any and every experiment, experience. We want to retire well. And all of these things cost money. All of these things require money. So what do we do? We spend our whole lives, as many hours as we can, chasing the best paying jobs, working as much as we can to accumulate as much money as we can so that we can do the things and follow the desires that we think are going to satisfy us. And once we have that money, many of us spend what we do have, maybe even a little recklessly. We take the balance to zero, or we even go into debt trying to get the things that we think are finally going to satisfy our hearts, and we still are left wanting more. Another God of our culture that we're sold is relationships and sex. We think that if we find the perfect person, or if we have enough partners, that maybe that will finally fulfill that restlessness that I feel, but it only wears away at our soul. The other God of our culture, I would say, is achievement, that by achieving greatness, building impactful and successful businesses and organizations, we're guilty of this even in the church, um, of accomplishing goals, getting through our bucket list, owning some Guinness World Records. If we achieve what we want, we think it'll satisfy the restlessness inside of us, and yet still, we realize that there's got to be something more, and our human restless disposition is only made worse and more challenging by the time in which we live in. Now more than any time in history, we are bombarded with messaging and advertising selling us on the idea that accumulation and achievement and sex will make us happy and bring rest to our restlessness. Those ideas were already inside of us in our flesh, but we are bombarded with messaging 
like backing up that thought in our mind, telling us if you just achieve, if you just get this thing, if you just get that relationship, it'll make it all better. And I think this is what causes many of us to live at such a frantic pace, running 100 miles an hour all the time, fighting and chasing after the wind, and at the end of the day or the week or the month or the year, still feeling so restless, unsatisfied, burnt out, anxious, and depressed. So what do we do? What do we do with this? John Mark Comer in The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry says, the Jesus tradition would offer this. Human desire is infinite because we were made to live with God forever in his world and nothing less will ever satisfy us. So our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God and to put all our other desires in their proper place below God. Not to detach from all desire as in Stoicism or Buddhism, but to come to the place where we no longer need blank to live a happy, restful life. What we're really seeking is rest. We're really seeking satisfaction. We really just want to be content. And I think that starts with awareness. That starts with how we see the world and how we see our, our, our beliefs and our motivations. What do we believe and what are we motivated by? And I just spent the last few minutes describing where I think many of us find ourselves, chasing the wind, looking towards accumulation, achievement, relationships, and there's more. But all of these different things and desires in this world to satisfy our souls. And once we realize that that truly is a false gospel and that Jesus' way is different and Jesus' way is better, that's where it starts, is that Jesus needs to give us a new vision and a new way of seeing this world, and he absolutely does. But there's more than just a mindset change that has to happen. There's practices that the Lord wants us to pick up, things that turn our beliefs and our ideas and embody and incarnate and put them into action. And one of those practices to live out Jesus' vision for life one of the key practices is Sabbath, and that's really what I want to talk about today. Taking this new way of living life, a different vision other than the one I just described, and putting into practice and acting on a way that is slower, a way that is content, a way that is satisfied, and a way that finds rest for our restless souls. Today, I kind of want to look at Sabbath from three different angles um, what we see in scripture and how Sabbath is described. Um, I'm excited to jump in, so let's jump in. First, I want us to see Sabbath as rest. Sabbath as rest or to stop. In Hebrew, Sabbath or Shabbat literally means to stop. So when you say Shabbat, when you say Sabbath, you're saying to stop. John Mark Comer says, and I love this, that Sabbath is a day to stop working to stop wanting, and to stop worrying. Honestly, I think I could give you that and have you walk out the door and just chew on that this week. That's what I've been thinking about. But I'm not gonna do that because I, I gotta preach a message. <clears throat> but it's a day to stop working, stop wanting, and stop worrying. Amanda uh, read the fourth commandment to you, Exodus 20, uh, eight through 11. And I wanna uh, to highlight something in that commandment today where it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. 
not to be missed for us is that God says that the Sabbath is for everyone. It's for everyone. It would be absolutely radical in the ancient Near East for them to say that the Sabbath isn't just for the, the, the rich, the people who have earned time off, who have earned that rest, who have earned that quote-unquote retirement, but it's for everyone, for your sons and your daughters, for your male and female servants, for your slaves, for foreigners, even for the animals. Everyone needs rest. Everyone needs Sabbath Next, I want to jump into Mark chapter 2, verses 23 and 27. We see Jesus teaching us about Sabbath. It says this, One Sabbath day, Jesus was walking with his disciples through the grain fields. The disciples began to break off some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, it is against the law to do this on the Sabbath day. Why are your disciples doing it? He answered, Haven't you ever read about what David did? He and his men were hungry. They needed food. It was when Abiathar was high priest. David entered the house of God and ate the holy bread. Only priests were allowed to eat it. David also gave some to his men. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath day was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Now, I think this passage is so interesting. I could nerd out on this all day about how this passage on a larger scale forms really the theology of Christians. But I will say this passage amongst a few others, has formed the theology and practice of Sabbath amongst Christians. And we've correctly come to understand that the Sabbath isn't a binding commandment. So for the Israelites in the time of Moses, for the Jews in the time of Jesus, Sabbath was a commandment. It was, there were all of these rules written on how to practice Sabbath, and it was something that you legalistically and to the T followed the rules on not working. This is why the Pharisees are pulling apart the actions of Jesus and his disciples. But Jesus shows a new way. So we've correctly understood that the way of Jesus, Sabbath isn't a binding commandment. We are not made for Sabbath, but what we've lost especially over the course of the 20th and 21st century, is that the Sabbath was made for us. The Sabbath was made for us. God made us to need rest. God made us with a need to stop. And we need to stop fighting our need for rest, like many of us have been doing our whole lives Something that shows how the Sabbath is made for us that I just thought was such a powerful illustration. So if you don't know what a Seventh-day Adventist is or Seventh-day Adventist, it's a, a denomination of Christians, and I'm not here to say anything about their theology, good or bad. But they, like the Israelites and the Jews, very religiously practice Sabbath. They have a lot of strict rules, and they very like disciplined way, they never miss a Sabbath. But did you know a study found that, uh, that Seventh-day Adventists, on average, live 10 years longer than the average person. And when you add up a lifetime of Sabbaths, guess what that adds up to? 10 years. It's unbelievable. The Sabbath is made for us. We need to rest. We need to stop, and we need to stop fighting it. Back to the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, 11. God explains why he commands the Sabbath. And he points back to the creation story, to Genesis 2.2. And God says, I created the world in six days. On the seventh day, I rested. So you, God took a day of rest. You can come up with any excuse in the book. You know what? It's just not my personality. I'm type A. I like being productive. I got to go, 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 right? 
Or I, you just have too many demands on your life, too much going on. I can't stop. I can't take a day off. Church, God rested. God took a day. And if he needs it, and he made us to need it, then we need it. Period. We need a day. We need a day. It's not a binding command, but it's a principle that I think we need to live out in our life. It doesn't have to be a specific day of the week for all, all of us together. I think we can apply it to our unique lives and our unique situations. And I don't want to bring shame on any of you who do have a lot of demands. You've got a lot going on. You're in a place in your life where you would love time to rest, but the demands of life are preventing you from doing that. And, and this message is not intended to shame but I do want you to take this truth that God has made you for rest. He has made us to need a day of rest and to look at your life and say, God, how can I begin to live this out? How can I begin to apply this to my life? How can I maybe put together a 24-hour period consecutively in somewhere in my week and really commit to stopping to letting go, to stop working, stop worrying, and stop wanting, and be with you and the people that I love. I would encourage you for your day off, for your Sabbath, if you have a family, try to Sabbath, try to Shabbat together. As I'll get into it here in a moment, Sabbath is also for enjoying. It's a day to enjoy. Sabbath takes intentionality. If you're like me, you know just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because I want something to happen doesn't mean that it's just magically going to happen. We've got to plan. We've got to prepare. So when you look at your calendar week to week, month to month, and you know what your Sabbath day is, I would encourage you to fight to protect that day. I mean, in, in schedules, things happen. We can't always work it out perfectly, but protect your Sabbath day. Do everything you can to say, I need that. God has created me and my family. I need that day. Protect it. Be intentional. Sabbath changes our whole lives. I really believe this. Sabbath is, is more than just a practice. I do believe it is a mindset. It's a way of seeing our world, and it changes our lives. So I could talk to you about the rhythms of rest that I think we should all live out. Practices through our year of, uh, you know, looking at maybe the, through the lens of quarters, like quarterly, getting away for a weekend. Every year, taking vacations when you're able, having periods of rest and of stopping and of letting go. But I, I could talk all day about practices, but if Sabbath doesn't get into your heart, if seeing the world a little differently and seeing your life and what you're motivated by, if those things don't change, then you can take all the vacations in the world and it's not gonna fix that restlessness inside of you, that emptiness that you're feeling. If you don't stop letting life, accumulation, and achievement push us beyond our limits day to day, and we don't learn to walk in God's unforced rhythms of grace, then no amount of time will ever bring rest to our souls. The second angle of Sabbath I want to look at is Sabbath as worship or to delight. Sabbath as worship or to delight. Going back to that fourth commandment in Exodus 20, 10, God says that he dedicates the Sabbath to himself. And in verse 11, he sets it apart as holy. Sabbath is a time dedicated to experience God, a time for us to be with God. Something fascinating about 
looking at, again, the ancient Near East, is that holy was usually a term ascribed to a place, a holy mountain or a holy temple. And it was the place where you would meet with, you know, either God, Yahweh, or the lower, lowercase g gods of this world. But God says he calls a time holy. He calls a day holy. He dedicates a time and a day to himself. A day, not a place, where we meet with him. One of the main theses of the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is that in our modern lives and in our digital world where we have so much information, we're bombarded by so many things, and in our, in our go, go, go culture, we are moving so fast, and we've got so much going on in our brains and in our lives that we do not have the time to experience and hear from God as he intends for us. And in the book, he promotes spiritual disciplines and, and, and points us to the way of Jesus in a way that remedies that, where we, where we slow down, where we put the distractions aside and we truly commit to experiencing God and hearing his voice. In the book, a friend of the author's is quoted as saying, of the church, living in our modern, overhurried world, he says, it is not as though we do not love God, we love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We still know how to sit with him. And that hit me as I was reading it. I thought of, um, so in my family, when we get together as a kid, my grandparents had a big living room and everybody, it, it blows my mind. My, my, my parents still do this. They come together in the living room, they just sit and they talk for like two days, like all day. It's like, who does that anymore? It's just like, I got to get on my phone, or I got to check on my social media, or I got to go make a phone call, or I got to go get outside and move around. I don't know if I can sit and talk that long. But as I've, uh, the last few years when I go home, and I go and visit my grandma, something beautiful happens in that she just wants to sit and talk. And does she talk a lot? Yes. Does she tell a lot of stories um, about a friend of hers when she was a kid that I have no idea who or what or why, yes. But it's beautiful. I get to know her on a whole new level when I'm able to just sit and be, and even though I could be thinking about something else or wanting to do something maybe more engaging or more exciting, there's something beautiful about sitting, taking my time, getting to hear from her, getting to talk to her about what's going on in my life, it's beautiful, and it's, I think, something that in our world today, we're losing, we're losing sight of, this ability to not only sit and be slow and just get to know one another, but the ability to just sit with God. Um, it's interesting in my spiritual, or my time with God, I'm not perfect at this by any means, but there was a season where I really wanted to journal um, my prayers, journal my thoughts, maybe journal on um, what I was reading in scripture. And there's a time where I was like, man, this is taking too long. So I started journaling on my computer because I could type way faster than I could write. And it was crazy because it was like the next week I was listening to a podcast and the uh, person giving the podcast challenges the audience. Hey, I, I think if you really want to embrace walking with God, walking at his speed and slowing down, you should write down your journals. Because it, you, when you have to go at the speed that you can write, it slows you down. It makes you really sit with God and think about and consider and listen to what he's saying. And I was, it was very timely, but it was really, uh, I thought, a good illustration, at least for myself, of how I always feel the pressure of, like, how can I be more efficient? How can I go quicker? Even with my time with God, I think he's wanting to slow us down. 
and to sit with him. In Genesis 2, the creation story, it says that God blessed the seventh day. He blesses what we see in Exodus and again in Deuteronomy is the Sabbath day. But in the creation account, God blesses three things. He blesses the animals, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. He blesses human beings, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, and he blesses the Sabbath. Of all the things that he created, he blesses three things. And what's so interesting, and John Mark Comer comments on in his book, is that in the same way that animals and people have the life-giving ability to procreate and make life, so does the Sabbath have the ability to fill this world up with life. This is why God has blessed it, to fill us up with life, to bring rest to our restless souls, to satisfy that, that feeling, that, that God-sized hole in our heart. God desires to give us rest and satisfaction and fulfillment, to fill us up with life. Earlier, I talked about how the Hebrew word means, Shabbat means to stop. It can also be translated as to delight. And I think when we think of the word Sabbath, when we think of Shabbat, we should hold these two ideas together. Shabbat is to stop, and it's also to delight. So what should a day of delight look like? What should a day of enjoying look like? What should a Sabbath day look like? It absolutely starts with God. It starts with time in his word, meditating on his word, time in prayer. And I tell the students all the time, prayer isn't just you talking. Prayer is a conversation. It's us spending time listening for his voice, clearing out the noise long enough to not only hear my own thoughts, but to hear God's thoughts and his voice speaking to me. You don't have to speed through this time on your Sabbath day. You don't even have to do it all at once. You can organically, over the course of your day, maybe you pray in the morning and you read in the afternoon and meditate or whatever it is that you do, but we've got to start and we've got to spend time with God on our Sabbath day. He is to be the center of our delight. He is to be our ultimate desire. And if when we rest, when we Sabbath, if we're not spending time with God, then we've completely missed the point. We're missing ultimate rest, the ability to be content and to be filled up with life. Now, when God is the center of our delight, when God is our ultimate desire, and he's in the place that he belongs, at the throne of my life, at the throne of your life, then the world that he's created, the things in this life that we do enjoy, when God is our ultimate desire, we're actually able to be filled with life from the things of this world that he's created for our joy. But it, has to, it starts with him. And when he's on the throne of your life, then I'm able to enjoy the things of this world as they were meant to be enjoyed underneath God and him is the ultimate desire of my heart. And when that's the case, then we get to ask the question, what has God created that fills you with joy? Maybe on your Sabbath, you wanna take a nap because that just fills you up with life. Who's with me? Man, naps are godly. They're... Jesus took a lot of naps. Maybe it's a good meal. Maybe you wanna go fishing, go on a walk, play a board game with your family, get some alone time, you introverts. Maybe read a book, time, take time with your family, your friends, your spouse. Try things you haven't tried, experiment, but find those things, those, when God is our ultimate desire, things in this world that bring our hearts joy, experiment and find those things. My biggest encouragement to you would be, though, in the things that you're looking to 
that fill you up with life, I would encourage you to put this away. And that leads me to my next point. Sabbath is resistance. This third angle on Sabbath, Sabbath as resistance. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is giving the law again to a new generation. So if you've read or or, or familiar with the Old Testament story, the first generation that is freed from Egypt by God, they disobey God at some point, and the generation that got out of Egypt, they're not allowed to go into the promised land. And so they all have to die off. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. And then this new generation is getting to enter the promised land. And before they do that, Moses gives them the law that God had given them years ago. And so in Deuteronomy 5, we see Moses repeating this fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath. But we see Moses and God essentially communicate another layer and a deeper understanding for why we Sabbath. And he says in verse 15, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong right, with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So God reminds Israel of the centuries that they spent in captivity, the centuries they spent as slaves, slaving, working every day to build an empire of accumulation and of achievement. No days off. No rest. Their situation, their slavery demanded and took everything from them, from their bodies, from their souls. They were being forced to live against God's design. And God reminds them in Deuteronomy 5 what he brought them from, and he's calling them to resist the slavery. Slavery to accumulation, slavery to achievement, to not live in that way anymore. And a reminder that God commands that everyone Rest. This is why it was so radical for God to say that the rest isn't just for you, head of your household. The rest is for your children, for your servants, for your, even your livestock. It's for everyone. Not only have I freed you from a life that is demanding everything from you, a life that doesn't include rest, that doesn't include joy, I've freed you from that, and you're meant to free everyone under you from that. It's for you. Rest is for everyone Church, God is calling us to resist the gospel of Western and American culture that says life is about achievement and accumulation. It's about chasing the desires of your heart, and once you get what you want, you'll finally be happy. God is calling us to resist empire, to resist this idea, the gospel of more, and to take up his gospel where a full life in his upside-down kingdom, a full life of delight is actually found in less. It's found in contentment. It's found in slowing down, in embracing our human limitations, the limitations of this life, the circumstances you're dealt, but finding joy and contentment and delight in the life that God has given you, the circumstances he's put you in, the people that he's put in your life, and most importantly, God as he is to you. Take up his way and his gospel. So I have a good word for you rebels today. I was recently talking to a close friend who's a beautiful follower of Jesus. And uh, she was talking about how 
when she was younger, she was such a rebel, and I, I kind of see that it's still in her a little bit. She doesn't love the rules, you know? And um, just because we start following Jesus doesn't mean that we're not still a little bit feisty in some, in some of us. I'm the same way. I'm very much the same way. But I thought I had a good word for those of you who are like me today, that God is calling you to be a rebel for him, to resist, and see this as an opportunity to resist Really the false gospel of this world, the false gospel that says desires will fulfill. So when you see Sabbath as resistance, see yourself resisting this idea that accumulation is going to fulfill and bring you rest to your restlessness. This is why on the Sabbath we don't work. This is why on the Sabbath we don't, we don't side hustle. We don't stay productive. It's like, I got a day off. I can't just sit here and do nothing. I'm going to go make, uh, make hay while the sun is shining. I got to get going. I got to do something. No, put it down. Stop working. Don't give in to the idea that you need more money, that you need more stuff. Stop working. Put it down. Something that I would, I would ask you to consider, this is something that I'm feeling um, a conviction towards, is that when I have a day off, what do I do? I go to Fargo. I want to go to the mall. I want to go to Shields. I want to go look at all that fun stuff and maybe buy something for myself, right? But something I was feeling challenged in, and again, I'm not saying that this is what we need to do, but I think that a way that we can put into practice the, this new way of seeing our lives in the world is maybe consider not shopping on your Sabbath, not shopping in the store, not shopping online, and it's a practical way that we can embody this new way of seeing our lives, that my life's not about stuff. It's not about what I can buy that can bring me joy, but it's actually delighting in God and being content in the life that he's given me and finding delight in the life that God has provided me. We also resist achievement by, again, not working and not side hustling. And I would say the antithesis and an action that we should take on in resisting achievement is actually pouring our Sabbath day into those closest to us, to our friendships, to our family, our spouses, our kids. I'd rather have loved well and not be known than be known and have not loved well. Throughout scripture and throughout history, we've seen time and time again, people who achieve great things at the cost of almost all the relationships in their life. The cost of their spouse, the cost of relationship with their kids, their friendships to try to achieve some great thing. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, what good is it to gain the whole world if you lose your own soul? We resist against achievement by choosing to love well and not be known than to be known and have not loved well. The last thing that we resist against, we should resist against, I think, and I struggle with how to put this, but as I've said, we live in a unique time in history where we are more accessible and influenced through social media, through the internet, through the news, through all the information and all the media that's directed at us from the right, from the left, it's coming from every single direction, telling us what to buy, how to think, what to believe, shaping our wants and our desires and our habits. And we can resist this influence when we Sabbath by putting these things down and turning them off by shutting the laptop, by turning off the TV, and being with God, being with family. We can resist the influence of these things by putting them away 
and just being with God, being with our family and our loved ones, and being in this world, being content with God has given us. And I believe if we do that, we're going to begin to experience a rest like we've never experienced before. A fulfillment that we haven't known. Relationship with God that is more intimate, that is more connected to his voice, what he's saying and what he's doing. If we will just drown out the noise and resist the gospel of this world and take up his way, which seems countercultural, and it is, slow down. Delight, be content with what you have. Resist what the world is trying to sell and enjoy what God has given you and enjoy him. I truly believe that this is the way God is calling us to. This is the way of Jesus. And I really believe that this is a way that is actually, would absolutely attract a world that is where I described at the beginning of this talk, chasing the wind, weary, burnt out, anxious, depressed, searching for something that they just can't find. They need a new way. And church, if we begin to walk that way, if we begin to walk in this contented, slower pace, man, I believe that that will make and help people see just another way in which Jesus is the best, period. His way is the best way. Let's go on a journey. I stand up here and I'm not perfect. I have spent, I skipped my Sabbath to make this sermon and I shouldn't have done that. I, um, I should have been a little bit more well prepared with that. So that all that to say, let's go on this journey. I really believe that Sabbath can radically change the joy and the rest that we experience in our lives. And it's, it's our practice to the game. If we, if we rest well, if we learn to Sabbath well, I believe it'll fill us up with life so that when we meet those moments in our life where someone whose cup is full is going to love and be like Jesus a lot more easily than someone who is, their cup is empty and they're drained from life. If we practice Sabbath and let it fill us with life, it'll prepare us for those moments where if your cup is full, you're gonna be able to capitalize, you'll be able to love well, you'll be able to lead well and be who God wants you to be. Would you stand, church, and worship team? I'm gonna invite you up as I close um, in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, may you become greater in our lives and may we become less. I pray that you would challenge us to the deepest core of ourselves. I think of, uh, again, I prayed this on Wednesday night, but Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Point out any way in me that offends you and lead me along your path. Lord, would you help us to see our hearts Help us to see what we've been motivated by, what has been driving us to maybe live a life in a pace that just doesn't work with who you've created us to be. And Lord, help us to begin to see life and see this world your way, a way that embraces our limitations, embraces our need for rest, to stop, to delight, to be filled with life by you. And in that, God, experience the full life that you have for us. Lord, I pray today as we go through this time of worship that you would, you would challenge every person in this room.
to look at their life that they would themselves be willing to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from their life. That they would look at things that they've never looked at before and say, maybe that's something that I I need to let go of. Maybe there's a good thing in our life today that we need to let go of so that we can hold on to the best thing. But Lord, ultimately we want to know you and we want to know your way. And we want to walk your way and experience the full life that you have for us. And show others what that full life looks like. The hope that we have in you, not just in the next life, but in this life, Lord. Teach us how to rest. May you be the center of our delight and our desire. And may everything else fall under that and fall into place. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the way that he's shown us how to live. In his mighty name we pray. Amen.